Good to see you today. Are you glad to be in the Lord's house today? Tell your face. <laughs> it is good to see you. I, I, man, I got up this morning and immediately I was just praying about this morning. Um, I always look so forward to being with you on Sunday morning. Um, and you might think, well, you get paid to do this. I think I'd do it if you didn't pay me. For real. I'm not trying to give you any ideas, but when, when you're called to do it, you just can't help but want to do it, to preach. And so, uh, love the fact that I get to preach to you. I love you guys so much. Pray for you often. Think about you a lot. All right, enough of that. A few announcements. First of all, if you're visiting with us, we're so glad you're here. Um, if you... If there's a, a blue card around you somewhere, uh, you want to fill out a physical card, uh, you can take that, fill it out, just drop it in the offering plate back there. If there's not one, we are high-tech rednecks. If you take out your phone and turn on the camera app and scan this right here. In fact, Addie Grace Buffy, last week she came up and she showed me, yes, Brother Shannon, it works. And it will bring up a, a bulletin. And the bulletin has announcements, prayer list, order of worship, uh, even some sermon notes in it. And then also... It has a connection card at the bottom, so you can fill out that connection card and let us know that you were here. Promise we won't harass you or anything like that. Um, I'm going to save the announcements about the Operation Christmas Child until um, we're going to have a, a, a video and talk a little bit more about that during our normal children's sermon spot. So I'll save that for later. We still are taking donations for Louisiana Hurricane Relief. Our church has already, through a business meeting, uh, set aside about $5,000 to go toward Louisiana Hurricane Relief. If you would like to give to that, uh, whatever you give will be put on top of that, uh, nearly $5,000, and we will send it to the Louisiana Baptist Convention to their disaster relief fund to be sent to churches who are in need. Um, we're also in need, and can you believe it? We need Advent readers. If you're not for sure what Advent is, it's just an, a time uh, of observance, of preparation of, of, about Christmas. We look back at Jesus first coming and we look forward to his second coming and we usually light candles and we have a short devotional reading and if you're interested in doing that um if you'll just come talk to me i would appreciate that um final announcement that i am aware of this is from marcia who did not want to stand up here and give this announcement shame shame <laughs> this really is a serious church um fourth quarter this friday is at our church we're serving chicken eat and if you would like to donate Toward this, please give to Marcia, or you can put it in the plate. Just designate it for that. Uh, we're also in need of cookies, and if you would like to make some, just make sure that you touch base with Marcia about that. Yes, sir? Is that fourth quarter or fifth quarter? It's fifth quarter. Did I say fourth quarter? I thought we were just leaving the game early. Hey, know. we're going to 45 them. We're going to 45 them, and it's going to be fourth quarter. So I called it. It's prophecy here in the church. <laughs> Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, Shannon would like to invite y'all. Oh, man. Uh, we're having a meal after church today to honor our pastor, um, and he would like for you to stay and eat with him. So if uh, you're here today and you'd like to do that, we'd love for you to do that. Please stay. Um, uh, this is, I, I'm, I thank you so much. I always feel appreciated. I'm, I'm going to take just a minute. Um, I always feel appreciated. Um, I love you very much. Um, I think you know that. I think you do. I try to show it. Sometimes I fail. Um, but you mean so much to me and my family. We always feel appreciated. Uh, you love us. You take care of us. And, and we are truly, truly grateful for you. Um, I think this ought to be Congregation Appreciation Sunday myself. Just because of, of how wonderful it is to, to serve you all. Are there any other announcements? We can move on to the... Uh, yes, thank you for mentioning that. Tonight at 5.30 we will have a movie in the Fellowship Hall. Um, normally we do that on 5th Sunday when we have a lunch. Now we're switching that because we're having lunch today. We'll just do that tonight. So we're going to watch a movie called Play the Flute. And I want to encourage you to come. Um, it's actually about a youth minister 
who is going through some struggles um, in that his, the kids that he's trying to reach, some of them are kind of on the fence. Some of them don't want anything to do with Christ. And it's just him just pouring out his heart and wanting these, these youth uh, to give their lives to Christ. So we'll watch that at 530. Um, and there will be no ladies prayer tonight. Uh, Colt, 2 o'clock today, you're going to have going to do some work on the, the cook shack. Is there anything else? If you're interested in helping out, um, put, putting up the cook shack, there are definitely hands needed. So we will not have choir tonight. No choir tonight. But we will have choir after lunch next Sunday. There's no not lunch next Sunday. Oh, what is the fifth? To, fifth is the mind. fourth today. See, that's the why I said fourth quarter instead of fifth quarter. <laughs> okay. Oh my, now I'm so confused. Okay. What are we doing, Pastor? We're going to have call to worship. All right, let's sing. do it. Okay. Um, this is the point where we turn serious. Um, it may get a little, uh, may be a little lively up to this point, but, um, and it's done that way on purpose, that we can kind of begin our, our service with some, a little more uh, lively. Uh, it's not, it's not as serious. We're about to worship Almighty God together. So that's why we structure into our worship service a call to worship. One of the ways that the Bible talks about God is that He is a rock. Now, obviously, that's not literal. Um, But if you listen to David here, and I'm going to read from Psalm 18, just a few verses, um, you get the understanding that David views God as someone who is secure a place of salvation, a place of deliverance. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Who is God? But the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. Let's stand and praise our Lord together.
beauty is that we don't have to wait till we die. That's the joy. That God is enough for us right here in everything that we go through and everything that we face. Just like that psalm said, that He is our rock and our salvation, our fortress. And so no matter what you're facing today, He's enough. it is that time of year when we pack Christmas boxes. I know you're thinking we haven't even gotten to Halloween yet, but you know Walmart's already beat us to Christmas. <laughs> they do every year. They don't let us celebrate uh, th even Thanksgiving before they start pulling out the Christmas stuff. But we began to think about Christmas, what it means, and how we can bless others starting in October um, and even into November with our focus on Operation Christmas Child. If you're unaware about Operation Christmas Child, it's a ministry of Samaritan's Purse, and they take boxes, and, uh, and there are some empty ones out in the foyer if you would like to grab one and take it home with you or grab a couple. And uh, there's a list of instructions in there to tell you what you may pack, what you may not pack in there. Furthermore, it will tell you how you can pay for the shipping. And these boxes will get shipped all around the world. And they will bless uh, little kids in places that you might never set foot. And they come to find out 
uh, that people love them, and it's because Jesus loves those people and sent those boxes over there to be a blessing to them. These students also have an opportunity, if they want, uh, not, I don't know that all of them choose to, but to go through a discipleship program and actually graduate from it. Uh, and the, the purpose is not just to give Christmas gifts. And I know we know that. The purpose is for everyone who receives a box, they've received the gift of salvation. So that's why we do this. Um, if you want to be a part of the Women of the Word packing shoeboxes, they'll pack those on November 9th at 6 o'clock. Um, there will be um, figure foods provided, a prize, and a testimony. You're encouraged to bring a friend. It'll be from 6 to 8. And if you have any questions about it, you can contact Kayla Forehand. You can come, you can purchase gifts, or you can actually donate money to uh, the Women of the Word ministry. Um, we're going to watch a short video. It's going to help us uh, be reminded of why we do this. So. <laughs> Seeing a child open the boxes for the first time is just, it's incredible. There's squeals and screams, and they're so excited to see what's inside their box. Every shoebox gift represents the love of God to them. We are so excited. Many of the children receive shoebox for the first time in their life. We're here with Operation Christmas Child. The kids are so excited. We have the opportunity to hand out some of the boxes. There's so much joy, so much happiness, and it gives us an opportunity to present the gospel. We pray that these boxes that we use bring a lot of happiness and joy, but more importantly, the gospel to each heart, all these little children around the world. What a great gift. I get a present. I get to know who Jesus is, but not only that, I get to be discipled in his ways. Hundreds of thousands of volunteers work with Operation Christmas Shelf every year, preparing these boxes, praying for the boxes, that God will use them in a mighty way for His glory. This little shoebox has the opportunity to change the world. Not only are they going to get a shoebox, they're going to get the love and the message of Jesus Christ. Some go by helicopter, some go by ship, some go by camel, donkeys, canoes. We go at great lengths to take these boxes to children in the most remote parts of the world. And it's an incredible journey. After these children open the box, they have the opportunity to go through the greatest journey, the 12 lesson discipleship program, where they get to learn more about Jesus Christ. Right now, I'm right outside of Mazlan, Mexico, about six-hour drive up in the mountains. This is an indigenous people group, people that never heard the gospel before. The kids and the families that accepted Christ, almost a hundred altogether, have now started a church. This shoebox gives us an opportunity to continue to shine the bright light of the gospel in the darkest and remote places around the world. We're seeing families come to know Jesus. Churches are sprouting up in these communities. These children are rising up to be disciples in their own country. Jesus Christ bring hope to our children to bring the smiles back on their faces. No greater need and no greater time than right now for us to go out and serve boldly. This is what these shoe boxes are all about, to go out and bring a hope of Jesus Christ around the world. I'm just so amazed at what God does each and every year. This is an opportunity to impact the lives of millions of children, just like you've seen but we need more boxes for next year. Every box is an opportunity for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you, and God bless each and every one.
say in agreement with you that it's by grace that we're saved through faith. God, help us to rest in that grace. God, as we fail you day in and day out, we know that your love is unconditional. So God, we come to you in this place and we say, change our hearts. Make us look more like your son. Let the gospel pour over this place and lives be saved and hearts be changed. In the name of Jesus Christ alone. ask you if you would please take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10 will be in Romans chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 15 today. We have been working our way through kind of a long series. The first part of it was getting lost, understanding what does it mean that I am lost, why do I need to be saved. And the last part of it, which is longer, which I think is, is good to take more time to talk about the salvation that's ours, as opposed to talking about who we were in, a, in another time. But the title of this morning's message is Getting Saved, You Must Believe. Uh, the last few weeks, I've been preaching on uh, parts of salvation from, from, uh, from the scriptures um, <clears throat> that reflect what is incumbent upon the sinner to do in receiving salvation. A sinner must be born again. That's why two weeks ago the title of the sermon was, You Must Be Born Again. Last week the title of the sermon was, You Must Repent. It is incumbent upon you. You cannot be saved unless you were born again. And you cannot be saved unless... You repent. Today we're going to talk about, from Romans 10, 9 through 15, you must believe. You must have faith. You will not be saved apart from faith. And so that is the, the point uh, of today's sermon, that you must believe. If you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. This is Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 15. And this is God's word. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Let's pray. Lord God, um, yours is a glorious salvation. Um, full of awe and wonder. In fact, in, in the book of 1 Peter, Peter describes what's ours in Christ through him as things into which angels long to look. Angels don't need salvation. We do. So you wrought for us in Christ a great salvation. Something that even would capture the attention of angels. How awesome it must be. We only know but a small part of it. How glorious it will be, Lord, in the future when we are with you uh, to be made aware on an ongoing basis how awesome your salvation is because you are an awesome God. 
Father, we praise you, we thank you, and we ask you to be our guide and our Savior today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I sort of debated as to whether or not I was going to preach faith first and then repentance, or repentance first and then faith. Uh, you, you know, uh, because last week was repentance and today's faith, you know how that all ended up. You might ask, well, why in the world were you debating about whether or not to preach one before the other? Um, it's because, really, they're almost a simultaneous occurrence. When a person is born again, they believe and they repent. Or they're born again and they repent and they believe. It all, it all happens at the same time. Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. Sam Waldron helps us to understand the relationship between repentance and faith. And I think this is very instructive. He says repentance focuses on God and His law. Faith focuses on Christ and His grace. Repentance and faith possess different roles in salvation. The Bible, for instance, never asserts that we are justified by repentance. Faith highlights the grace that works salvation. Repentance highlights the change that salvation works. It is the necessary response of a born-again soul to God in sin. You cannot repent unless you believe. You cannot believe unless you repent. All true faith is repentant, and all true repentance is believing. Thus, both Faith and repentance are necessary to be saved. They're two sides of one same coin that is an incumbent upon us. These are actions that we are required to take in salvation. When we talk about faith, it's good to kind of settle ourselves on a definition. And you might be saying, Brother Shan, why are you always given definitions? Go ask someone on the street what faith is. I wonder, and I'm not picking on anyone, I wonder if Jaden knows what faith is. Isn't it our job to teach him what it is? To give him parameters, guidance, to flesh it out, to tell him what it is? I know that we know this. We're in a day when terms, definitions, words are being co-opted. The, the, the definition that those would have had years ago, we cannot assume when we're talking with someone about faith that we're using the same definition. That's why I think it's important for us to know this. You know, there was a day, and we have long since gone past that day, when children would have grown up in the church and they would have been taught what faith is. It would have been part of their education, both at church and at home. But now, for whatever reason, we don't do this. I want to read to you the definition of faith from the Baptist Faith and Message. That's, that's our, uh, the, the, the faith uh, statement that our church subscribes to. And it's this, the acceptance of Jesus Christ and, notice I underline that, and commitment of the entire personality to him as Lord and, notice it's underlined, Lord and Savior. So there's two parts to this definition. There's accepting Christ and committing your entire personality to him. But then notice when you commit your entire personality to him, you commit your entire personality to him as Lord and Savior. Uh, I don't know if you realize this, but I think it was in the 70s and 80s, there was what was called the Lordship Salvation Controversy, where people were being taught that I can receive Jesus as Savior, then I can kind of live how I want to live, because remember, I walked down front, I, take the, I took the pastor's hand, I prayed the prayer, I got baptized, but I'm going to live how I want to live, and later on, I will make Jesus my Lord. This statement is, put up, is written in such a way as to correct any thought that you can have Jesus as Savior without having him as Lord. And it also corrects misunderstanding that faith is just belief and it does not require commitment. Here's another definition, and I'm going to use this actually 
as kind of the outline for the sermon. These are really the two points of today's sermon. It's a definition of faith from Sam Waldron. He says it's two things. It's first, it's a conviction of the truth of the gospel. And secondly, it's a commitment to the Christ of the gospel. So there's truth and there's Christ. And faith appropriates them both. Now I want to remind us, faith that we have is a gift from God. Being born again is a gift from God. Repenting is a gift from God. And I've tried to show that to you from the scriptures. And I'm going to show it again. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, the being saved through faith, the faith is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result, so that no one may boast. Philippians 1.29, Paul says to the church at Philippi, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but suffer for him for his sake. So it was granted to them to believe, it was granted to them to suffer. It's a gift from God. 1 John 5.1, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. If you have been born again, you believe. But I want you to listen here. God grants repentance, but he will not repent for you. God will grant faith to you, but he will not be convicted of the truth for you. He will not, be, he will not commit to Christ for you. You must be convinced of the truth of the gospel. You must commit to the Christ of the gospel. God will not do these things for you. John Murray in his book, Redemption Accomplished and Applied, says about this kind of, sometimes it just doesn't quite add up in our minds. But he says, it might be said, this is a strange mixture. The, the part where God grants repentance or he grants faith and we must believe. He said, it might be said that this is a strange mixture. God alone regenerates. We alone believe. And we believe in Christ alone for salvation. But this is precisely the way it is. It is well for us to appreciate all that is implied in the combination. For it is God's way of salvation. And it expresses his supreme wisdom and grace. Now I want you to listen to this. That's, this has been a, a long uh, quote. But I want you to listen to this. In salvation, God does not deal with us as machines. He deals with us as persons. And therefore, salvation brings the whole range, our whole personality within its scope. By grace, we are saved through faith. God alone regenerates. We alone believe. Looking at Waldron's two-part definition faith. Turn first to the first part of that definition, which is conviction. Conviction of the truth. Faith involves conviction of the truth. And when we understand, when we think about truth, we don't think about something that is amorphous, has no form to it. We think of something that has content. It is knowable. We can say it this way. I believe that. I believe certain things. Now, Murray, again, helps us to understand why answering questions about the content of the faith is so important, especially for someone who is, who is God is dealing with them, and they want to know, how do I become saved? Murray says this, It is not unnecessary to ask the question, what, point, what warrant does a lost sinner have to commit himself to Christ? How May he know that he will be accepted. How does he know that Christ is able to save? How does he know that the confidence that he puts in Christ is not misplaced? How does he know that Christ is willing to save him? These are urgent questions. Perhaps, though not urgent for the person who has no true conception of the issues at stake or of the gravity of his lost condition, but exceedingly urgent 
and pertinent for the person convicted of sin and in whose heart burns the reality and the realization of the wrath of God against sin. In other words, if somebody realizes that they are under the wrath of God and they feel the conviction, they don't want someone to say, just have faith. What do you mean by that? What do you mean just have faith? That's not what we say. We say we want you to put your faith in something that is knowable. It has content. It's not a superstition. It's not a myth. We're not telling you to put faith in faith. You ever know, do you know someone like that? That they put faith in faith. They put faith in their own faith. They go through a hard time. One of their friends comes up and he says, well, you know, at least you got you. Just, just be strong. Keep the faith. Well, what faith? When we say the truth has content, that it's knowable, we're not saying believe what you want to believe so long as you're sincere. We're saying that there's content and it is knowable. Paul says of this content, if you confess, confess means to say the same. If there is no real truth and there's nothing to say the same about, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, there's the content. And believe in your heart, believe there's content in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's content that we must believe. Some of the content we've already understood, been presented on Sunday morning. You must hear the gospel. You cannot be saved. I'm sorry. You are, you are dead in your trespasses and sin, and God will justly condemn you to hell unless you hear the gospel. And you must hear the gospel. You'll be condemned to hell unless you're born again. You must be born again. You'll be condemned to hell unless you repent. And you must repent. And you will be condemned to hell unless you believe and confess the truth. And you must do that. And the truth that we confess, Paul says here, verse 9, Jesus is Lord. He's the Son of God. He died in our place to redeem us from the penalty of sin. He satisfied God's wrath, holy wrath, just wrath toward us. To those who believe on the name of Christ... He gives, God gives, the perfect righteousness of Christ to that person so they might stand before God. We must confess that Jesus is the means of our adoption into God's family. We must believe that he reconciles us to God, that he unites us to himself. We must believe, as Paul says, and he doesn't say everything about the gospel here, but he does say, you've got to believe that Jesus is Lord. You've got to confess that he was raised from the dead. You've got to believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. There's only salvation in Christ. And you must believe that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's said three times in here, or implied once and said twice. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. They will be saved. Verse 12. Um, God bestows his riches on all who call on him. Verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is the content of the faith. It's knowable. We believe that. We don't just believe. But the content that we believe is a content with certainty. Not only do we believe that, we believe in. I'm going to read from Murray again. I promise you I'm not trying to resurrect Murray from the dead. He died in 1975. I'm not trying to resurrect him from the dead. But I just think that this book nails it in some ways. It helps us to understand He says, the conviction which enters into faith is not only an agreement to the truth respecting Christ, listen to this, but also a recognition of the exact correspondence that there is between the truth of Christ and our deeds as lost sinners. What Christ is as Savior, Savior perfectly dovetails our deepest and most ultimate need. This is just saying that Christ's sufficiency as Savior 
meets the desperateness and hopelessness of our sin and misery. It is conviction which engages, therefore, our greatest interest and which registers the verdict that Christ is exactly suited to all that I am in my sin and misery and to all that I should aspire to be by God's grace. Christ fits in perfectly to the totality of our situation in its sin, guilt, misery, and ill desert. In other words, what, what Murray is saying is this. When we, when we understand that content, we will begin to know in our knower. To know in our knower. Because this truth is not just a natural truth, it is a supernatural truth. And we are not just natural people, we have a soul, a spirit. And when that truth impacts us in the deepest recesses of our being, we know in our knower, and it begins to make sense that all that I have done wrong, God has put right in Christ. And there's a sense of certainty there. And, and it's this certainty that drives Paul to preach. Now, I'm not going to say a whole lot about it, but at the end here, Paul says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Paul received the truth. It came to him with conviction and certainty. Changed Paul's life. He didn't just receive it. He said, I've got to get this out. People need to know that there is a God in heaven who sent his son to die for sinners and that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he preaches it and he preaches it and he drives it home with conviction, presenting the truth and pressing it into the conscience of people consciences of spiritually dead men and women that they might know that there might be faith <clears throat> the second part of his definition first one was uh, conviction of the truth of the gospel the second part is commitment to the Christ of the gospel there's two parts to the commitment it's really kind of saying the same thing a different way. Not really two parts, but two ways to think about it. The first is, our commitment to Christ in faith is an act of the will. It's an act of the will. Remember, God does not, God grants faith. For by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. God grants faith, but he will not believe for you. Faith is an act of the will. It is an act of choice. We're not being passively persuaded in our intellect. We're not just merely agreeing with certain doctrines. <clears throat> As a Baptist faith and message said, we are committing our whole personality to Jesus. As Lord and Savior. And the way Paul talks about this... <clears throat> Um, this act of the will based on the conviction of the truth, he says in verse 14, how will they call on him? How will they make a choice? How will they exercise their own will to believe in Christ if no one will go and preach to them? And how will they believe in him if they don't hear? So Paul is, is not saying they're going to be bowled over by the gospel. He's saying people will go and preach to them. They will hear the gospel. It will convict their hearts and they will make a commitment. But that ball doesn't get rolling until someone goes to them and preaches. Now, isn't that a good reminder of our responsibility as Christians? It's a great reminder. So it's an act of the will. It's based on the conviction of the truth. But that act of the will is a response to God's grace. It is not a work to earn it. All of salvation is of grace. Even that God gives us the faith and we respond to him in faith, it is an act of grace. All that God does in salvation is meant to magnify his grace 
If, we were, if any part of it were not of grace, there would be a part of it that God did not get glory for. One of the things that God desires in salvation is his own glory. It's all of grace. Faith is not a work to earn what God gives in salvation. When we respond to God's grace, when we act, our will acts based on the conviction of the truth, there is a movement inside of our soul to rest on Christ, to understand understanding his sacrifice on the cross and that his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, he is all that we need. We sang it this morning. All of you is more than enough for all of me. Every thirst, every need, you satisfy me with your love and all I have in you is more than enough. And sensing that, our, we give our whole person, our whole personality to God. We hold nothing back. We don't rest upon our own resources, our own achievements. It is an act of total self-commitment to Christ. And I keep driving that home for this reason. So often we talk about just believe in Christ. And I think what we mean by that too often is just believe and receive in Him as Savior. But do, do so thinking, front-loading, that I'm not going to follow Him as Lord. I want to be saved. I don't, I don't want to go to hell when I die. But I kind of want to live life the way I want to. It's important that we understand that when we exercise our faith, that we're saying, I know it, I believe it, and I'm going to commit my life to it. I'm willing to bet this morning there's two kinds of people here today. You know, this morning, Psalm 18, I read about God as the rock. We also talk about Christ as our rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. There's two kinds of people here today and, and no other. You are either a person who, having heard about the rock, you will be dashed to pieces on this rock to your destruction. What do I mean by that? Having heard the gospel, you will harden your heart. Now, it may be, it, it may not be that, that you're just rude about it. It could just be that I'm not interested in that. That's all it is. Other people, you can just get, and, and I've heard stories from some of you, when you go and talk to someone, like, get out of here, I don't want to hear that stuff. But if, but Jesus is the rock. The Bible talks about him being a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. You'll either fall on him and be broken for your destruction through your unbelief, or you will fall on him and be broken so that you might be resurrected, so that you might be given new life. And when you think about what it means to exercise your faith, there's a line in the solid rock that says, Holy lean, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And holy lean on Jesus' name. It's complete dependence on him. It's reaching out an empty hand and saying, Jesus, I know that you can save me. Please save me. When Sydney became a Christian, her prayer very simply was, Jesus, I'm ready for you to save me. If you are. So simple. That's faith. If the Lord has been working on your heart. You know you could pray something that simple. Jesus I know you can save. I know you're ready to save. And I'm ready for you to save.
that can be you today. We're going to have a time of response. And I want to encourage you that if you have never placed your faith and trust in Jesus today, he's ready to save. Jesus stands ready to save. Will you come today as we sing together? from time of response to time of prayer to commissioning for the task, uh, the time of response never closes. You, you always can respond to the promptings of the Savior. And if He's prompting you today, I urge you, I plead with you to listen to His promptings. Um, I don't know a lot of, of updates. It's sure good to, to have Larry back. He was in a prayer meeting this morning. It's good to have him back. We're trying to get rid of Paul now. But it's been good to. Um, do y'all know any updates that you like to pass along um, for, on our prayer list? I do know that Zoll Owens was uh, dismissed from the hospital. I think he's got a long road to go. That's Bonnie Porch's husband. Uh, ben is at home. Glad to know that Ben is at home. Um, do you have any other updates or any prayer requests that you'd like to share? Okay, well, we're going to have a time of prayer, um, and then we will say the Great Commission together, and then we will be dismissed for lunch. You might have thought, well, I didn't bring anything, I wasn't expecting to stay. You are welcome to stay. Just stay away from the, the banana pudding. I don't even know if there is any, since Sue's not here. Um, maybe Mary came through. Put you on the spot, Mary. Um, let's stand. We'll have a time of prayer. Lord Jesus, how grateful we are um, that you did not leave us in the dark. We don't have to have someone to, like Moses said, go up in heaven and bring down to us. What is it we need to know? Someone doesn't have to go down to the abyss and bring it up to us. And what do we need to know in order to be saved? Paul says it's, it's right here, knowable. So grateful, Jesus, that you are knowable. That the truth about you is the truth of who you are. That we commit in our lives and our faith not only to a list of beliefs, but to a person who fulfills every need, who fits us perfectly as Savior. We're so grateful. Father, there are many on our prayer list. We've praised you for Ben and for Larry and for Zoll. Um, Lord, there's Many on our prayer list that continue to need you, and we know that you love them and that you're serving them well. 
We pray that if any don't know you as Savior and Lord, that today or any time during the process of what they're going through, uh, that they would hear the gospel, that they would repent of their sins and believe in Jesus and be saved. I thank you for this church and uh, for the love that we have for you and for each other. Help us to continue to build each other up in the faith. Uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's say the Great Commission together. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You are dismissed.